Welcome to Climate Optimus. I'm Jason Lewis. And I'm Todd DeShino. So the podcast is still on spring break until next week, but we're bringing you another short to tide you over. And speaking of spring break, how, how's yours going, Todd? I'm going to choke you out about this spring break stuff <laughs> I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I haven't done You're any spring 50 break. 50 or 60 hours a week. Oh, yeah. It's something like that, man. It's, you know, that such is life. Uh, so yeah, my, my spring break has been pretty hammered. What about your spring break? Well, I've been, of course, working on the podcast a little bit, but I did manage to uh, sneak in you a don't little. lie to us. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I did I did squeeze in a little uh, skiing up in Canada. Wanted to make sure, you little, know. Little, looks like he shot a mag. You should see the pictures this guy sends me from this stuff. It looks like he's shooting a magazine up there. There's all these <laughs> big, gigantic mountains in the background and. You know, if you can't have fun, somebody's <laughs> got to go have fun on that. <laughs> That's right. Somebody's got to do it. Those slopes aren't going to ski themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm happy to take one for the team. Well, I'm glad, man. You deserve it. So like last week, we thought we'd focus this short on bringing a little climate hope. For those who aren't aware, there was a record-breaking auction for offshore wind leases located off the coast of New Jersey and New York. This this auction was, you know, pretty anticipated because the last one that took place was back in 2018, focused on some areas off the Massachusetts coast. And they're estimating, you know, potential capacity of anywhere from five and a half to seven gigawatts. And for context, that's, you know, roughly two to two and a half million homes. The exciting part though. Wow was compared to the last auction, the winning bids were substantially higher. So, you know, in 2018, you were looking at about $1,000 an acre. Okay. And the winning bids that came in for this latest auction, which wrapped up right around the beginning of March, were 9000 an acre. So, oh. you know, almost, yeah, almost tenfold. That's a lot. It is. And I think it's really a positive sign. I mean, you know, when you have a lot of interest, that tends to indicate that you've got developers that are really serious about developing projects. The other hopeful sign from my perspective is that, you know, oil giants Shell and Total were among the the winning projects. Really? Yeah, which, you know... That strikes me as odd. (laughs) Shell obviously also invests a lot of, for folks who don't know, in uh, climate disinformation, but... (laughs) <laughs> they, uh, it's good to see that they're, you know, spending some money on, uh, on offshore wind. And I see it as a hopeful piece because the reality is we all know that, you know, oil and gas is a profitable business. And so sure. to have these two entities involved means you've got more capital on the table and that all leads to, you know, potentially faster development. So we kind of got the East coast thing going, but what about, what about the West coast? There, there actually is an auction for some area off the California coast planned for later this year, and and then some area off the Oregon coast. I think they're slated to auction that in in 2023. But the reality is, you're right. I mean, most of the attention has been off the Atlantic coast, and the primary reason for that is you've got a much shallower seabed. So, ah. you know, in the Atlantic, things taper off a lot more gradually. Sure. It makes it a lot more economical, you know, to install the turbines. So naturally, you know, when you look at where developers have been focusing, it's it's almost all on the on the Atlantic. 
I see. You know, I think maybe we're missing a huge opportunity here, and that is that what we need to do to push this development is to bring back the West Coast, East Coast hip-hop rivalry. And uh, <laughs> instead, <laughs> that's one of the, that's an ask of you, Jason, is you got to get these hip-hop artists on board. Get Snoop on the line and get this moving. Oh, so you're not just envisioning, we're talking more than just, you know, mirroring an East Coast, West Coast rivalry, but you're saying we want to get the, you know, East Coast and West Coast rap no, stars involved. I want to help them involved and they do rap, but we do concerts <laughs> out here on the beach. You, uh, you know what I'm saying? You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> if Snoop can play at my hometown in Ontario, Oregon, at the opening of a pot shop, we can make this happen. I still have a few connections in the in the uh, wind energy marketing world. We can uh, pitch yep. the idea to them. I'm telling you, they're missing out. They got to do it. <laughs> well, there, there's definitely going to be plenty of uh, room to promote because the Biden administration has set a target of of 30 gigawatts by by 2030, which is huge considering the fact that up until now, you know, offshore wind has really been just two small projects, and so. Right. Where you've got Europe and China that are way down the path on offshore. We're really just getting started. So when we talk about 30 gigawatts, what is that the equivalent of? Or I'm trying to think of like hydro here in the Pacific Northwest as kind of like a comparison. Yeah, it's a good question. And the calculations that you do to sort of figure out how many homes you're going to power depends not just on sort of the capacity of the, you know, the turbines, whether those are, you know, hydroelectric or wind, but it also depends on how, you know, often those are running. Mm -hmm. when, when you're estimating though, with wind energy, generally a megawatt can power on average about, you know, 350 US homes, okay. plus or minus. And because you have a thousand megawatts in a gigawatt, you know, 30 gigawatts really equates to around 10 and a half million US homes. So Whoa. it's it's a big, yeah, it's a big chunk. Yeah. That's it's obviously not, you know, all we need out of offshore wind, but that's a I think it's an ambitious target and helps set the trajectory that we need to get to uh, you know, 100% renewable by by 2050. Wow. I wouldn't even thought that was possible, but that's that's crazy. I'm with you though. It it is pretty hard to imagine putting that that many wind turbines in between now and 2030 off, you know, off the coast, but yeah, it's it's an exciting space and It'll be interesting to see, you know, how things unfold over the next year or so. Yeah. Well, I think this all leads us to uh, the need to do an episode on on offshore wind, which we haven't yet. Definitely. We've kind of just scratched the surface here. It'd be cool to, you know, dig into this thing. Yeah. And once you're back from spring break and, you know, into the swing of things, we can... Uh, we can, can finally get moving here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, a wrap for our short this week. We'll be uh, back to full episodes starting next week, where we'll be digging into the topic of climate justice. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Climate Optimus is made possible by Climate Stewards Collective. You can find us on the web at climateoptimist.co. And don't forget to follow us on social at Climate Optimist Podcast. Mm -hmm.